Left over right and snug it up against the quilt. And then right over left and pull it tight. And then you say your prayer. I'm Sherry Westrick. I'm a member of the Prayer Quilt Ministry at Christ Community Church. I moved to Rochester four years ago and began attending CCC immediately. In the fall, I became a member of the Precepts Women's Bible Study Group. And as a, an offshoot of that Bible study group, we have begun a quilt ministry. When my son was two years old, I made my first quilt. My son still has the quilt more than 40 years later. From there, I made a few small baby quilts as my friends were starting uh, their families. And then I gave it up while I taught and raised a family. And after I retired, I moved to a small village in Southern California. And our church was about 30 in the summer. And during the service, there were opportunities to ask for prayer for someone who was suffering a crisis and needed extra prayer. And as those needs were spoken, it seemed to me to be a natural kind of step to offer a prayer quilt that would comfort the person in need. From that humble beginning, the prayer quilt ministry out there began. And then I moved here <laughs> and I was praying and asking for what God had for my next chapter. And the Bible study group stepped in and said, let's take that on as our project. We know that quilts can give physical comfort. And the difference between a prayer quilt and a regular quilt is that prayer goes into every stage of building it. After the quilt is quilted and finished bound, ties go in it. And as each knot is tied, a silent prayer is offered for the specific recipient. A label goes on and it is personalized. It has a scripture on it. So a quilt given with prayer and love becomes an opportunity for everyone to find comfort. So God is at work in all of us um, every time we create a quilt and um, tie knots for a person. Without him, we could not do this. It would just be a quilt. We're in this uh, series on prayer and just wanted you to see this video of one of the ways that praying together, we're gonna talk about that today, expresses itself. I'm here at Christ Community Church. You can see it's a, it's a beautiful ministry. Um, our grandson was a recipient of one of these quilts and ministered deeply to the Holden family as well. And so glad you got to see that in one of the ways that we pray together um, as a church. So welcome, great to see you guys. If, um, if you're new, newer with us, we're really glad that you're here today. Thanks for coming and checking out Christ Community. Whatever has you in the room, if you came with a friend, you're feeling a deep need, why ever you're here, we're really glad that you choosing to kind of explore or take some next spiritual steps with us. Thanks for doing that. Um, we would love the opportunity to meet you if we haven't had a chance to meet you yet, if you're newer. Um, those of you who are here in the room, a great way to, to make that happen is when you leave here today, if you just walk out these doors and go to our welcome desk, 
Um, we have a connect card we'd like you to fill out. And um, we have a gift for you in exchange for coming and for giving us your information, saying hi. We'll be in contact with you. It's a connect card. Those of you who are online, if you hit that connect button, it takes you to our digital connect card. And what we'll do with your information, for those of you who are in the room, those of you who are online, um, we're gonna connect with you. And if we could answer questions for you, if we could serve you in some way, pray for you, help you, help you get connected, like that would be our great joy to do that. So thanks for, thanks for helping us with that. And I hope you'll take us up on that. Okay, so again, we're here in this series on prayer. We're talking about, first of all, pray. Prayer is the first thing for us as a church. It's a high value for us. Talking about praying together this weekend. And, and I know like, I've talked about this enough, and I grew up in church, and I used to sit in those seats out there, and I, this, is, this is the one that kind of gives some of us the heebie-jeebies when we start talking about praying together. We all have some reasons in our lives, like this one, this one is a little bit off-putting, and so I'm just gonna kind of push into that a little bit in our time together today, and I really have three things that I hope we can accomplish in our time together, so if, you're, if you've got the heebie-jeebies just by me mentioning it, like, would you just stay with me for the next little bit? Here's... Here's what I hope happens over the next little bit. So one, I wanna raise the value of praying with other Christian people. This is, this is an important thing. It's an important thing in the, in the life of an individual Christian. It's an important thing in the life of a group of Christian people in a church. So I wanna raise the value of this for us. Second thing, um, I'd like to raise our level of awareness of what's happening spiritually when we pray together. So praying together might feel like the first couple times you do it, or if you're not really aware of what's happening, it might feel like we're just kinda sitting in a circle or standing together or we're around a table and we're listening to other people pray and being nervous about and waiting for our turn. And I understand it feels that way, but there's, there's more going on. Spiritually speaking, there's more going on in that, and so I just kinda like to raise our level of awareness for what's going on. And then, and then the last thing together is to raise the level of expectation that we have when we pray together. Um, expectation is about faith, and praying together is a faith-building exercise, and so to help us, like here's some promises that Jesus made, some statements that he made about this. I think we have an opportunity to, to really raise our level of expectation of what God can do, what God's willing to do when his people come and pray together. So, so the main outcome I'm really hoping for in our time together is that if, Wherever you are in your faith journey, like if this idea of praying together just sounds foreign to you, something you're not willing to do, um, I hope you'll take a step towards it. I hope you'll take your next step towards it. And, and I hope with you where, like if, you, if you've had this idea of like, you know, I'm just alone in my spiritual journey and I like it that way, that, that you would be drawn towards other Christian people in some way. And so, so maybe to find somebody else to pray with, to, to join a small group, to get on a serving team, to find somebody else that you would pray with so that you can experience what God has for people who are willing to pray together. And for those of us who are already in groups and who are already doing this, we pray together. Really what I hope for us is that, that when we gather together, we're, we're excited to pray together, we're looking forward to praying together, and we're, we're more aware and we're expecting what God could do when, when people like us gather together in order to pray with him. So I think this is gonna be a really big deal for us as individuals and also as a church. Because we wanna be the kind of people who experience the life of Jesus, who experience the light of Jesus, who experience the blessing that God wants to pour out into our lives. Like, that's, that's what we want. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we gather together, right? We wanna be those kinds of people. And we wanna be the kind of people 
whose life, the life and light of Jesus pours through us into the lives of the people who are around us. We wanna do more than just take up space. Like we wanna make a difference in the lives of the people around us and our community and, and people who get to experience that kind of stuff and churches that get to, to be part of that kind of stuff. One of the things that they all have in common is that they pray and that they pray together. So, so what we're gonna talk about today is it's really important for us as individual people, it's also really important for us as a church. So I'm gonna jump in to this, this really big statement that Jesus makes. It's, it's really, it's just this huge promise that he makes as he speaks about this, this exercise of praying together. All right, so he's recorded this for us in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was one of Jesus' first followers. He, he was... He was listening to Jesus, he was writing stuff down, and later, after Jesus rose from the dead, Matthew recorded all this in a gospel account so that we could know about the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so Matthew writes this down, he listened to Jesus say this one day, and he writes this down. And so here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. All right, so I wanna say, just in our time together, here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna say three things about this verse, that things just to hold on to, so maybe some principles to, to grab from it. And then a couple of practical things with an illustration from the early church that is probably my favorite example of praying together in the whole Bible. And then I'm gonna wrap it all up. I have some discussion questions for you for when you're done with this time together at church and whatever you've got next. I think it'll be really helpful for us. All right, so three things from this verse, and this first one kind of comes out of it, but it also overarches it. So as Christian people, we are always better together. We're always better together. Adam mentioned it during communion time. Becky talked about it. Like It's just true. We're always better together. And Jesus recognizes that, and because we're always better together, one of the things he says is, hey, y'all need to pray together, right? So, so we're always better together. One of, the, one of the main pictures that the Bible gives of Christian people and of a church is that of a body. So we're, we're different, we're made up, like this body's made up of different parts, but they all come together, one unified whole, and all the parts are in need of each other, so everybody has a role to play, everybody brings something to the table, like every person is important in all this, and, and when we are together, no matter what we're doing, when we're together, we're just better. When we're together alone, we can do some things alone, but together is when we as Christian people really, like we hit our stride, we're always, we're always better together, that's the first thing. Second thing, when we gather in Jesus' name, we experience his presence in a unique way. All right, so, so it, there's the truth. Jesus is always with you. We, we, we believe that. We taught it to our kids. It wasn't just something to make people feel better. I say it like he's with you. He's always with you. And when we come together, we experience his presence in a unique way. Now, there's, there's a lot of mystery to this, and if you're asking me, okay, so how, and will you... Jesus made this really cool promise. He said, when you gather in my name, I am in your midst. And so he promises that he is with us. We get to experience him. He gathers too, like he's here, and he participates 
in whatever it is we've got going. It's not just for, it's not just for prayer, it's not just for singing, it could be for learning, it can be for serving. When we gather together in Jesus' name, he shows up and he shows up and engages and participates with us in ways that we don't get to experience when we're just doing something by ourselves. And so when we gather, Jesus' presence, like we get to experience it in a unique way when we gather together. And then this third thing. Jesus' presence, when we pray together, guarantees God's yes to our prayers. So Jesus' presence, when we pray together, guarantees God's yes to our prayers. Now, I understand guarantee is a strong word, but I think I'm just like restating what Jesus said. I mean, this, is, this is what he said. he said. He said, when you gather in my name, when you ask, whatever two of you together ask for, the Father's gonna, he'll do it for you. And, and so this is, this is that big promise, right? This is, this is that big statement that Jesus makes about, about praying together. When, when we pray together, Jesus' presence with us, when we pray together, that guarantees God's yes to our prayers. Now, for those of you who've been around church for a while, you might have heard something or read something. I've, I've heard this and read statements like this, there are, there's some people who, like they take this big statement and that word guarantee and they wanna whittle it down. And the way they do that is, is they say, well, the conversation that Jesus was having, because if you, like, this isn't just a, a, a statement all by itself, it's actually in a conversation that Jesus is having with his followers. The conversation Jesus is having with his followers is about like when somebody sins against you and how we handle that and when they won't behave like they're supposed to and we tell, like, it's, it's about when, when somebody sins against us. That's the conversation about that. And so, and so some people try to whittle this promise down and say, well, this is, only, like, this is only a play when we're in a situation where somebody has sinned against somebody else and we're trying to sort that out. But, but here's, here's what I would say to that. Just because the conversation was a smaller example doesn't mean that the promise is as small as the, the illustration. So the promise is big. And, and it's an overarching principle that when we gather together to pray, Jesus is present and his presence guarantees God's yes. That's, that's this really big promise and, and it applies. Here's the situation that it applies to. And so, so it's not a limiting factor. The conversation is the limiting, fa limiting factor. It's just a place where it applies. Another example of that, again, for those of you who are interested. If you're not interested, take a break for like three minutes and then come back to be with me, all right? So, but if you're interested, so there's, there's in 1 Corinthians, it's a letter in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul's writing it to this ancient church at Corinth. And there's this, there's this battle going on in Corinth. And the subject was can we eat meat and drink wine that has been offered as a sacrifice to idols? Right, so not really something that we wrestle with in our culture, but something that they were really wrestling with. And if like you could kind of understand why that was a big fight, right? So is it okay to eat something or drink something that has been offered to an idol? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul is addressing all that and then he walks to the very end of it and he says, hey, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, 
do all for the glory of God. And then a little bit further, and he says, and, and do what's good for other people. And so he takes this big principle of we're supposed to live for the glory of God and for the good of other people, and he drops that over this little situation of do we meet, drink wine that's been sacrificed to idols? So a while back, when I was brand new, I was a brand new pastor, and the church that I was at at that time, um, our youth pastor took the youth, the students off on a retreat, and the retreat was about like sexual purity, God's view of sex, God's the role of sex in our lives, and it was, so it was our, our students who went on that retreat, and, and he came back from that retreat, and there was this parent who was mad, so he came to my office to talk about this parent who was mad. They, they weren't mad because of the content of the retreat, because that was on the glossy brochure about the, like we made sure that everybody knew what the content of the retreat is, because like you don't want to take somebody's kid off and just surprise, we're talking about this stuff. The parent was upset because one of the main verses that our student ministry team had used to talk to kids about the way they live out their sexuality is whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God and for the good of other people. And this parent was mad because, not because we taught what their kid had been taught, but because that verse in 1 Corinthians 10 had been taken out of context and instead of talking about do we eat meat that sacrificed the idols, we were applying it to how we behave sexually and sexuality. And, and I was always confused by that, that parent being so upset about a verse that, like that verse isn't limited to just whether or not we eat meat sacrificed the idols. That's, that's a bigger, bigger statement that, that this little illustration or this circumstance falls into. And so, so the context of a big statement doesn't have to whittle the statement down. The context can actually just be a specific application of that bigger promise. Because again, I going back to what Jesus says. Jesus says, what you gather together in my name, what two of you ask the Father for, the Father's gonna do that for you. And, and so it's not just when it's talking about, you know, somebody sins against you, but when we gather together in his name, like, there's, there's power in prayer and in our praying together. I ran across this statement by a guy named Ray Stedman, who years and years ago was a pastor of a great church in Pensacola, Florida. And Ray Stedman makes this statement. He says, prayer is authority that operates in mystery. I love this statement for a couple reasons. One is, prayer is authority. Prayers, you and me, as Christian people, as children of God most high, we have spiritual authority. And prayer is one of the ways we exercise that spiritual authority. But it's spiritual authority that operates in mystery. And that's one of the reasons like, we've talked about this, we've been in this prayer series, there's a lot of mystery around prayer. I mean, you, you have questions about why does it work, why does it work that way, and why would two people pray to get, why didn't, right? There's always, I, have, I share the questions with you. But prayer is authority 
that operates in mystery. And what we wanna make sure of is just because it's mystery and there's some stuff we don't understand and stuff that we don't know or can't know doesn't mean we bail out on the stuff we do know. And so, so we, what we know is when we gather in Jesus' name and when we agree in prayer, the Father's gonna do it for us. So, so those are the three things really that I'd like us to, to hold on to about that verse. Now, let me give you a couple things that are, are practical considerations, right? Because Jesus kind of sets up a couple of conditions here as he talks about this promise of the Father will do it. So, so the first thing, let's talk about this idea of gathering in Jesus' name. So he says, he says, not just when you get together, right, to watch a ball game or to go out to dinner or, you know, when Christian people gather for a bunch of other reasons that we get together. This is like, he says, when you gather in my name, and you gather in my name. So when we gather in his name, first layer of that is we're always his people. Right? We're always Jesus' people. We, we belong to him. And, and you can think through on your own, there are a lot of implications to that, that, that we belong to him. He's... He's our God and we're his people and so, so we get to belong to him and so when we gather in his name, we're always his people, we're always his people, we're gathering under his authority and we also gather together on Jesus' agenda. And so we come together on his agenda when we're gathering in his name. Because when I think about praying together, one of the things that it reminds me of, so Marie and I have four kids, they're all grown now, but they would gang up on us when they were little and they wanted something. And those of you who have kids, you've experienced this too. The kids will get together and they'll gang up on mom and dad. And, and it might, like praying together, can, you can kind of get that idea of like, we're God's kids and we're gonna get together and if we can get enough of us together, we're gonna gang up on him and we're gonna get him to do something that we want him to do. And that's not what praying together is at all. It's like coming together in Jesus' name. We are gathering together on Jesus' agenda. We're attentive to Jesus' presence. So he said, he said, when we gather in his name, he is in our midst. There's mystery here. I, I can't fully explain this to you and I can't tell you how. I could just say it's true. He, it's a promise he makes and he does what he promises. And so we, what we get to do is to be attentive to his presence in our midst. And, and that challenges us a little bit because often when we're together, we're really good at paying attention to one another. We're good at paying attention to what's going on amongst the people that we can see, but often we forget about the presence of the one we don't see. And, and his presence is, is real. And so when we gather in his name, we pay attention to, we're attentive to his presence and we're seeking his power. So, so prayer is about, and we gather together and we're seeking God, we're engaging, we're engaging the power of God for our lives, so we're seeking his power, his presence and his power and, and then we're saying yes to Jesus' purpose. So, so he has a purpose and sometimes our purpose lines up with his and sometimes our purpose is a little bit, sometimes it's contrary to his, but, but we're, we're paying attention to his purpose and we're submitting ourselves to that. We're saying yes to Jesus' purpose when we gather together in his name. So this is, this is kind of what 
gathering in Jesus' name. These are some qualities of what it means to gather together in his name. And then the other thing that Jesus says that's, that's part of it will be done for you is we agree about what we're asking. He talks about when you, when you agree, and when, when two of you agree on earth, it's done for you in heaven. If you, if you go back and read the verses that are around that in Matthew chapter 18. So this agreeing thing is, is an important part of all this. And so, so the agreement, the first, probably I'd say the first layer of this agreement is there's a spiritual unity and a spiritual harmony. Again, what Adam talked about, there's, we, we eat the same bread and drink the same cup and we one faith and one Christ and one baptism, one Lord. It's like we're together and, and we're living in that truth because we don't always live in that truth, right? We know it's true as Christian people. Like we are, we are one, but we often live like we're many. And, and so, so there's spiritual unity and there's spiritual harmony in this. It's agreeing together. Romans chapter eight, verse 26. says that you and I don't know how to pray as we should. Like that's just the base layer. So if you're new to this and you're like, I don't really know how to pray, could I just tell you, nobody really knows how to pray. Some people sound better in front because they've had more experience or somebody that if you're listening to somebody pray or you think, oh, that guy really knows how to pray. Truth is, none of us know how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we should. You know how, maybe know how to pray in front of other people or you may be more experienced or not as nervous, but we don't know how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit of God helps us and, and this is a beautiful thing. So part of agreeing together is, is we're listening for this leading that the Holy Spirit gives to his people because we don't know how to pray. And, and so when we're agreeing together in prayer, part of what we're doing, we're paying attention to the presence of Jesus and we're listening for the leading of the Holy Spirit and then what the Holy Spirit does for his people, again, authority shrouded in, like, in mystery together, but what God the Holy Spirit does when we're listening for his leading, he will lead us in prayer to the place where we're agreeing with Jesus. Because when we're gathered together in his name, we're praying together in his name, he, he has an agenda and we're on that agenda and we get to, like, we get to be on his agenda and and we don't know what it is until the Spirit leads us to it. And so we get, to, we get to listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit and we get to pay attention to the presence of Jesus and the Spirit will, will guide us. Again, we're not a bunch of kids ganging up on dad to get what we want. We're, we're people, we're Jesus's people who come together for his purpose and his plan and his power like, so that we can have what he wants to give to us. And the, the Spirit of God will lead the people of God into praying for what Jesus is praying for. So it's one thing, we know that one of the things that Jesus does, does in heaven, like he prays for us. And so, so like we're being led into agreement with what he's praying, and that's how, that's how we have this big promise that if we'll agree together, we, it's gonna be done. Because we're not just agreeing with the people that we can see, we're also in agreement with the person who's there that we can't see, so it will be done for us. Now, my favorite, my favorite example of, of praying together in, in the whole Bible, and this, I'm gonna read it for you here in just a minute. This, this comes from Acts chapter four. 
It's recorded for us in Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four is the history of the early church. So that first group of Christian people, after Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, these were the first people who were believing in him. And, and they were in the city of Jerusalem, which is inhabited by the religious leaders of ancient Judaism and the Romans who were in charge at that time. Those were the people who conspired together to put Jesus to death. So the first church was born into the a hostile environment. So the first church was doing its job. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus and follow him together. And the first church was doing its job. They were introducing people to Jesus and following him together. And part of that introduction of, of people to Jesus, a couple of the, of the first followers, Peter and John, they'd been arrested, they were thrown in jail, they were, they were threatened. After being arrested and thrown in jail, they were, they were threatened with further harm. And then they were released. So this comes from Acts chapter four, starting in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, these are the Christian people, and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the Christian people heard this, the threats that had been they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Okay, so here's their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. This is from Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So like there's this prophetic statement and, and they're connecting this prophetic statement to what they're experiencing. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So they're, they're talking about all the stuff. So here's the prayer. Here's the prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that was the prayer, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So, so like this is, like the place was shaken, and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So Jesus' people gathered on Jesus' agenda, attentive to Jesus' presence in their midst, seeking Jesus' power, praying in agreement with Jesus. They, they didn't say like what, what I would say in that moment. Like my first prayer would have been, Lord, I already spent one night in jail and I don't ever wanna do that again. Is, like, would you protect me from that or is there a place I could go where I would be safe? So, but they're attentive to the presence of Christ and his agenda and they, they know, like they know what their job is and, and so their prayer is, would you, like, would you give us boldness so that we can, we can stand in the face of all this stuff and do what you've given us to do and experience what you want us to experience in this. And, and because 
they had come together with one voice and, and agreed in prayer with the people they could see and the person they couldn't see. Agreed in prayer, the father says yes. And his yes is, he shakes the building. He shakes the building and then he fills them with power to be able to do what, what he had called them and what they wanted to do. It's this beautiful example of what happens when we, we gather together in Jesus' name and ask in agreement, the Father does, so. yes, it will be done. So we have this beautiful opportunity as the people of God to, to step forward into, into prayer. And not just, not just praying, like, this doesn't diminish, none of this diminishes the, the importance and the power of individual prayer. It says there's more, there's an and. We pray, we pray alone because we have an individual relationship with God and we wanna nurture that with him. And, and we pray together because when we come together, Jesus is with us and when we're attentive to his presence and listen for the leading of his spirit, we're praying in agreement with him. And when we're in agreement, the Father does what we ask. So we have this beautiful opportunity to take next steps as people who pray people who pray together. So I wanna, I wanna wrap all this up. I wanna pray for you. Let me pray first first. And then after I pray, I have some discussion questions for you and I think this will be really good and helpful for you. So will you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me and let's pray together. So Father, thank you for this incredible privilege, not just, not just of prayer, but of praying together. And so as we consider this and as we consider next steps, would you would you stir within us a desire for more? A desire for a willingness to step beyond our comfort zones, like what we've got set up, where it's easy for us? Would you, would you call us into some next things so that we could have the life and light of Jesus in our lives and it could flow through us into the lives of the people who are around us? And again, thank you for this good gift. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me ask you, like, let me just give you these five questions real fast, and I'll turn this service back over to Adam. So one, what are your hesitations about praying with other people? We all have them. We all have them. And, and maybe it's like, I don't like to speak in public. I don't like to speak in groups. I, I don't wanna mumble through something that feels as important as prayer. Like, whatever it is, we all have hesitations about this. And so just a chance to kind of hear your, like, you could say them out loud and be a me too for somebody else, because, like, when you hear somebody else say, hey, I, I have that hesitation as well. So what are your hesitations about praying with other people? Do you have experience praying with others? Is this something that you've done before? And then in that experience, has anything weird ever happened? Because sometimes when we get together as Christian people, stuff that maybe you would say is weird happens, so like maybe something funny's happened, or anything amazing, like the building being shaken, like the, Anything happen when you've been together praying with other people? Um, do you expect answers to your prayers? Alone or, or when you pray with other people, do you expect answers to your prayers? And, and do you expect God to do what you ask him to do? Our expectation is important. Our faith matters. And so, so whatever faith you have, 
do you bring that faith to your prayers, praying alone or praying to other people? Do you, or praying with other people? Do you expect God to answer your prayers? Fourth question, do you believe that praying with someone will lead to more answerable, like prayers that God can answer because therefore you're good? Again, we're not a bunch of kids ganging up on mom or dad at the grocery store to buy us the sugar cereal, right? Do you, do you believe that praying together will lead to more answerable prayers and also to more of your prayers being answered? And just kind of, if you just flesh that out with other people, what do, you, what do you really believe about all of that? And then this last question is just a next step question. So who could you start praying with? So if you don't pray with anybody right now, who could you start praying with? What are some next steps in praying together for your small group or for your serving team? And, and maybe that'd be a great conversation to have with that group of people so that when we meet together, we meet together in Jesus' name, in agreement, and we get to see our prayers being answered. So hope those questions help you. I hope they're an encouragement and blessing to you and help us as a church move forward in praying together.